0: What is up, guys? This is Pinzo, back with another episode today of the Nerd Hub Podcast. I am joined, of course, by Exelon.
1: To be here. I am in a good mood right now.
0: That's what I like to hear. I think we've got some pretty good stuff on the the docket today. What do you think?
1: I mean, I hate to continue the trend of, like, oops all bangers, like all the episodes that I've been on, but it's kind of oops all banger.
0: I think so. I think we've got some good stuff headed our way today. Uh, We've got some movie talk. We've got some got some other media talk and then we've got some DD talk for those of you who don't know i'll tease this now i just ran the final boss fight of a about 20 month DD campaign that i've been dming so that was a really big deal and we ran the final boss fight last week and we'll get into that towards the end of the episode so that's your teaser for the day stick around to hear to hear around for that
1: gonna say this at the top of the show. First of all, congratulations on that, because that's a big deal. That's, Thank like, that's you very awesome much, Exelon. So congratulations, that that's awesome. Thank and you really very much. Talk about that, but we're gonna make you guys wait for it.
0: All right. Well, so starting us off, we'll get we'll get right into it. We won't make you guys wait too long. All right. Uh, starting us off, we have some movie talk. Exelon, we've talked about a decent amount of movies. We've talked we've talked about overrated movies. We've talked about book adapted movies. Uh, There are some kind of classic storytelling movies, and a lot of these revolve around either old fairy tales or old, you know, Shakespeare stories and that kind of stuff. Uh, Why? Like, why do these movies keep getting remade? That's, That's my question to you. You know, I'm talking like Cinderella, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, even into, like, Hamlet territory. So the answer to this
1: question, at least personally kind of changes a little bit depending on what you're talking about so hamlet and taming of the shrew is it's because it's a successful story storyline but for things like cinderella snow white and sleeping beauty all of those things are owned by disney all of these th- things were made in like the 40s 50s and 60s yes and all these things have copyright licensing and i it find is true. this super interesting because you only have about 75 five years ish depending on your copyright licensing on where things go before it becomes public domain meaning anybody can use it correct ever and with things like cinderella and snow white and like snow white and the huntsman and sleeping beauty the reasons that they make these live action adaptations or they make these new stores of it is so they can renew the licensing on them because i don't know if you know this about snow white but it was like coming to an end yeah pretty soon of like oh shit we only have like 10 years to make a movie to renew the licensing before it becomes public domain which means disney loses the rights to that has to remove it from or doesn't have to remove it from disneyland but like it's public domain anybody can use it yeah or i never. yeah
0: i just so i just watched a movie called mirror mirror which is a uh snow white's adaptation and it's not a good movie you know it's a it's like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes but it has like some big name actors in it and it's obviously you know exactly what you say it is where they're sort of extending this thing um i guess uh my my next question to you is sort of a follow up like that makes sense got to renew the rights got to keep your your money where your mouth is or something like that if you're Disney uh you can't let your your money spenders get away what about like uh i'm thinking you know specifically cinderella has a lot of like i don't know different adaptations if that makes sense you know where cinderella is a high school student and they go to prom and i don't know drop their uh phone or something and then someone finds them and you know it's cinderella like why like why do those stories appeal to people like why do those stories find success
1: I think. See, this is an in, this is an interesting question because, like, Disney's original version of it is pretty phenomenal. Like, for good reason. Like, it's just a well-made story, and I think it's kind of just relating with it more on it, like, with a more modern take of like you lose your fans instead of your glass. Like, yeah. Right. You the school dance instead of the ball. I mean,
0: there's obviously an element of modernization to this story.
1: Yeah, and I think that boils down to like relatability. What do you think?
0: I I mostly agree. I think that relatability is a big part of it. But some of these are like I don't know. Some of them are weird. Like the like the big one that comes to my mind is Ella Enchanted. I don't know if you if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, it's the one. It's got Anne Hathaway is the main lady in it and she and she essentially has a superpower where she can't disobey people and so she like i don't know that's that's the crux of the story is that people can tell her what to do and she literally has to do it um but it's a cinderella it's a cinderella story it's literally you know start to finish it's every beat of cinderella and it's decently entertaining you know there's like some elton john songs in the middle and stuff like that that are that do make this movie entertaining I don't know what, a, like, why? This is a story that everyone has heard a hundred times. Like, how are you still entertained by it, I guess? Do you think it's just like a a cinema standpoint? Like, if you make a movie look kind of cool or have some vaguely humorous entertaining scenes, like, do you think that's all it takes to get asses into seats in the theater?
1: As dumb as the sounds. I mean like if you have if you have Anne Hathaway there's a certain percentage of people who are going to go and see it if you have like and there's an audience for young women or just children to go see these types of movies and just continually having a model that rinses and repeats this idea that you know that works in Hollywood why try something new why like we can make a hundred million dollars on yeah. this. why would i go try this new artistic take on something when it's potentially damaging like you see disney is kind of running into this a little bit with some of their newer shows is that it's like well this is kind of a uh a new story but there's like there's this writer's theory out there that there's only seven different stories you can possibly tell or seven different types of stories you can possibly tell i
0: know what you're talking about
1: and i think that's part of it but at the same time i think this is kind of corporate greed and i agree (laughs) covering assets of like well why would we try something new when we can make a hundred million dollars doing the thing that we did the shit that we've done for the past. 60 years that's been making us money.
0: I think that that's a very good point to bring up is that uh, wherever you are in the cinema sphere like the odds of a movie some being owned by a studio that is owned by Disney like those odds are pretty big you know like Disney is making out on a lot of stuff here and I get what you're saying you know don't if it ain't broke don't fix it like why would I mess with this really good concept that I have um I think it's interesting, cause especially Cinderella, I think you see a decent amount of Snow White as well. Uh even I mean, even going into, you know, Little Red Riding Hood. Uh you see you see a decent amount of adaptations. I don't know. Do you remember the movie Hoodwinked?
1: Yeah. Yes. Holy shit, that's a fever dream. Yeah. Like, I remember that was on like Cartoon Network once a week every year. Yeah, it's and then they horrifying made a second one
0: it has if you look up a screenshot it's some of the worst animation in a movie i've ever seen <laughs> it's bad but and the movie is actually pretty entertaining i'm not gonna lie like there's a a lumberjack that's really funny the main character is essentially you know if reading if red riding hood wasn't helpless is essentially the the idea behind the story uh and it's you know fairly entertaining but again it's at the end of the day, it's really just Red Riding Hood. Like the story, even though it's this very different adaptation where Red Riding Hood is very capable and you know a badass and stuff like that, like the story hits the same beats as it does in in the in the original. Like why? I don't know why make it why make such a different story then?
1: Name, image, likeness is because there are certain people who are gonna tune in just because it's Little Red Riding Hood. It's.
0: I agree.
1: There are certain people who are going to tune in because it's on Cartoon Network or wherever it's going. And it's. This is a super interesting topic just because, like, you see these with a lot of big names of, like, being able to slap. Like, it just. We keep bringing up Disney because Disney's the biggest.
0: The big guy.
1: Yeah, the the biggest entertainment conglomerate ever. But you see, people, if it is a Disney movie, if you slap the mouse on it and say like this is yep. a Disney movie, people will go and see it. They will. And so, or if you slap certain characters on it, they're gonna go and see it. And yep. Not necessarily Little Red Riding Hood all all the time, but like there are certain people who are gonna go and watch like the movie like Maleficent when that came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Nobody knew who the hell was. Not not a, not was, a clue. Or, or, or who like the villain was, but they're like, oh, it's the lady with the horns from that one movie from my childhood. So I'm gonna go watch it. Yeah. And see what's what with it. And I remember that movie being okay.
0: It was okay.
1: But yeah, nothing super special. But it's not. Yeah. Home about.
0: Exactly. But
1: I went and saw it because I'm like, oh, like this is a really kind of fresh or like French vanilla twist on. A show that I might enjoy as an adult.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that so I have two points. So number one, have you? My first question is, have you watched any Ruby? I know that this is a show that that I'm a big fan of, but I don't know this if you've is seen a show any of you've it. show that
1: you've been trying f- for me to get to watch for I've, I don't know I have I
0: have asked you to watch it for for a while because it's decent. It's it's not great, but it's it's passable. Um, the point of that being. In Ruby, all of the main characters, the main four girls on Team Ruby, are all inspired by fairy tale characters. It's something that isn't really ever said, and it's not, like, something that you would really pick up on unless you were paying, like, pretty close attention. But, you know, Ruby Rose is Red Riding Hood, Yang is uh, Goldilocks, Blake is Beauty and the Beast, and Weiss is uh, Snow White. Like, they have these inspirations, and I think that it's uh very interesting that even on a show like you know like ruby where it's it's i mean it's you know anime girls fighting big anime bad guys and yet they still go to these sort of classic inspirations like i couldn't tell you if there's anything behind that you know monty oom um, unfortunately isn't alive anymore so he can't even really answer that question on whether or not that was a purposeful thing or whether or not it was because it looked cool, you know, something like that. Don't know. I think it's interesting that a lot of stuff kind of comes back to those classic sort of inspirations.
1: There's some like English major out there that's thinking about like the theory behind writing or whatever and is screaming at us right now. This had a really simple answer and you two imbeciles can't figure it out. Exactly. Like that's what I'm thinking right now. And there's probably something to that.
0: I agree. I agree that there is probably some, some actual thought behind it. Uh, my next, so my next question, I think this is maybe the last question for this topic. Um, do you think that these sort of, I, I don't know exactly what you want to call them. Cash grabby maybe is a word you could use. These remakes of these classic movies, whether you put it in a different setting or you make Snow White a badass or, you know, whatever to make these, these stories more modern and stuff like that. Do you think that putting that kind of stuff in modern settings and making these sort of very mediocre movies that keep the licensing and stuff like that, do you think that that is hurting the ability for cinema to make good movies? Like, do you think it is lessening the amount of good movies that come out? Yeah, this is a good question, because like for me, I've gone, gone, I go to a lot of movies. I go see a lot of movies in theaters because I'm a big fan of theaters. And the last movie, the only movie I think that I've seen in about the last year that like really blew me away as being good cinema, just good all around, good acting, good writing, good, you know, cinematography, sound design was Top Gun Maverick.
1: God, I was like, we both saw that movie. I loved that movie. And if you don't say that movie, I'm going to. it was it
0: was fantastic as far as just a pure piece of cinema goes i think you could call it a masterpiece you know but if you compare that to uh, did you see dr strange multiverse of madness
1: uh i did recently and it was solidly okay
0: exactly it's very mediocre it's very mediocre. In no way do I think that Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. In, if you were to head-to-head to head the two movies, Top Gun: Maverick and Multiverse of Madness, I think Multiverse of Madness would win zero categories against Top Gun: Maverick. I don't think there's a single category that Doctor Strange would win, and I think Number that of
1: superheroes.
0: I don't know, dude. Tom Cruise kind of wins out in my in my book. Tom Cruise is a number of superheroes plus one yeah but he's (laughs) he's as many superheroes in multiverse of madness plus one that's tom cruise um but you know do you think that this sort of launch movies out sort of make this continuous storyline that marvel does specifically like does that hurt good movies you know they're essentially making an extended tv show and not every tv episode has to be a banger because there's going to be another one next week
1: I actually do think it is. It's is hurting and will continue to hurt because you start to see it in Marvel a lot.
0: Yes. Where
1: <laughs> these origin stories are happening and these new characters are presented and then at the end of the film they fight a version of themselves or same like versus same every in, movie. Yeah. Where in Iron Man one and two, he fights a large Iron Man, and then multiple Iron Men. Yes. And then, in Doctor Strange, he fights like he fights a big. Th- there's so many different. Yeah. Examples of this. And Marvel like, is very okay, good
0: at it yeah, at making same versus like, same.
1: Yeah, we're gonna reskin it and then do like a same verse same and go from there. And it's getting old. It's getting, and it's get been, it's been old.
0: And I completely it's getting,
1: agree. It's starting to hurt them a lot. I think and so.
0: I think people will get tired of it at some points.
1: I think Marvel is, a, is I kind of think a little bit of a different piece, but as far as like cash grab style movies, they're still going to be made. They're still going to be okay. And I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt the uniqueness of writing. an instant. Um, just, because people are going to forget about it people are going to forget about that okay movie that they saw five years ago or however long ago it was and they're going to go see this one and then they're not going to watch it anymore because they're out to the target audience and then rinse and repeat because people keep getting older so to that sense no I don't think it's really hurting writing because it's going it's been going on for so long but in certain um universes like Marvel One hundred percent,
0: and it's I'm I'm I just I was curious, so I just pulled it up. Uh, Looking at Marvel's box offices, just just the 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 money that their movies are making since Avengers Endgame, after movies that have come out after Avengers Endgame, with the exception of Spider Man No Way Home, have been trending very primarily downwards. I mean, like. Like some bad, mo- like some really low shooting movies have come out after Endgame. You know, we're talking Eternals and Morbius, like The New Mutants, you know, like those are the kind of movies. X Men right. Dark Phoenix are the kind of movies that are coming out post Avengers Endgame, and they're not doing good. And I don't know, you could call it, you know, maybe they're just bad movies all around, and maybe it's, you know, Marvel slash Disney really just trying to shove these movies out and, and get them into the world spider-man no way home is the only exception that i'm seeing on this list as it did very well at the box office
1: Yeah, and i enjoyed it i thought it was was definitely the funny thing is is out of all of those movies that you that you listed i thought spider-man no way home was the most cash grabby i I, thought it it was it was playing to an audience and people were going to go and see it just so they could i think that there's
0: i think in my opinion that difference is that they're sort of wearing that one on the sleeve like they know, right? Oh, yeah, and we know that they day. know that we know that they know, you know. Yeah. So I think I think that one might be a little bit different. It's I think it's a little different than trying to shove out a Doctor Strange movie that realistically, you know, obviously I don't know what's what all the movies that Marvel has planned are going to be exactly about. Maybe that Doctor Strange movie has some implications down the road. But like I don't think that really need to be made. Like they're like obviously the main reason was to. Uh, introduce America Chavez, right? To introduce the the vast multiverse into most of the MCU. I just think they could have done it so much better somewhere else. Like, Doctor Strange didn't change at all through that movie. The only other thing that changed is Wanda dies. She'll be back, you know? I just, like, nothing changed. They literally introduced one character and she wasn't at all a character in the movie. Just seems a little like they're really trying to shove him out at this point.
1: Yeah, and again goes back to legal things of like it does these I actors agree. have contracts yes. and you need to fulfill those contracts and release movies in a timely order so you don't get sued and yeah. or you need to pay your actors and make sure everybody's yes. happy. So if you have to use or can't use certain actors in movies, then you're gotta to use them while you can that. I guess yeah, but. You- You gotta use them while you can, and you have to use them in different places. Like Robert Downey Jr. said no to a fourth Iron Man, but he didn't say no to his first Captain America, and that's why he was in Civil War. That's how Civil War panned out. He's like, I don't want to do a fourth Iron Man. Like, I just don't. And I have—he had like six movies on his contract. It's like, well, this isn't an Iron Man movie.
0: Yeah. Same with like the Spider-Man movies. Like they kind of tricked him.
1: Yeah, we're, we're three Avengers short of an actual Avengers movie for Civil War, so we're not going to call it that. Yeah, I mean, obviously but...
0: it's not an Avengers movie, <laughs> but uh, RDJ, <laughs> get in here, you know?
1: Yeah, but everybody that's not Thor, the Hulk, and yeah, Thor pretty, and the Hulk. Those two, yeah. Yeah, outside of them, it's pretty much an Avengers movie. Yeah,
0: here. uh-huh. Uh, that's it. I think it's interesting. <laughs> um, well, speaking of, uh, of the Avengers, you know, something the Avengers did in Endgame, which was the last good Avengers movie to come out, uh, they experimented with time travel. Aha. You know what? Our Day next topic plus is, Excellent. Hey,
1: <laughs> plus transition. <laughs> All right.
0: Ex-Lon. Uh I've got a. We've got a little segment here. This is in place of hot takes this week. Um, this is going to be a short segment. I don't need you to explain your answer very thoroughly. You can explain it uh, a little bit, but I I do want some of this to be left up to viewers' imagination as well. Uh, This is going to be, if you could do one thing with time travel. This is kill someone, marry someone... Uh, change an event you know this is assuming you have like a decent amount of power over over whatever event you wish to change all right what would you do what would you do besides uh you know changing the course of cinderella or something like that what would you do with with one instance of time travel
1: so kind of going back to last week we're operating under um back to the future time travel right
0: sure Everything when you come back to the present, everything will have changed.
1: Cool. Okay, I'm gonna throw the lame answer out there because I do have two, and like one of them is like just.
0: All right, give me give me a lame one and don't explain it.
1: Go back to the most recent Super Bowl and put all of my life saving on the final score.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Like, that's the lame answer. It's the plot to, it's literally the entire plot. To it's, it
0: is Back to the back Future. Back to the Future. Yeah.
1: Like, that's how Biff makes his millions. Yeah. And it's like, well, what if I put however many thousands of dollars I can scrape up and just go all in on who, whatever super okay. I want to win or.
0: That makes sense. Whatever,
1: yeah. Uh, what, what, how about a like a
0: real answer? Do you ever, do you have a different real answer for me? I do. Lay it on me. So
1: i'm not changing anything Uh i want to witness like i want to be outside of whatever building the jfk assassination happened in
0: like really? outside
1: of the room and not say anything but i want to know who did it
0: okay so just curiosity so is the reason for your time travel
1: yes just like curiosity like i want to hear a gunshot in another room run out see whatever face is in there and then like we make eye contact and he's like holy shit i'm caught and then he's like i'm like wait no i'm a time traveler i can't stop this because then the entire future changes and he just runs past me, and that's it that's okay. like my entire thing and i'm like
0: whoa okay and i then, can get behind it
1: i just, uh... i think it's so interesting that it's one of the biggest world events to have ever happened and everybody is or nobody has a legit 100% answer yeah, of what
0: yeah. happened
1: and i want to know why i want it like why we don't have an answer i want to know who did it and then and i'm going to disappear and that's going to be like the secret i take to my grave okay what about you i want i want to um... hear your answer
0: Alright, so mine is on the same vein, well, a similar vein of curiosity, uh, but more about curiosity about what it would change. So I would personally, I would go back to 1986 and I would stop the Challenger from exploding because the Challenger exploding sort of ended the US and NASA going into space, you know? like w- true we dude we were on the moon in the 60s like that was a long ass time ago where would we be now if challenger didn't explode and like nasa kept going you know where would we be would we actually be 40 years into the future of of where we are now you know i don't know i really couldn't tell you would nasa have gotten you know sort of defunded shortly after because it's expensive to build a rocket yeah, probably, but you know who knows? Like, we could be a, we could be living on the moon.
1: I like that question a lot. I that's a good answer. That so that's a go, really good icebreaker like, question. Yeah. So, which you, you go back and so you're stopping the Challenger from exploding? Yes, like specifically
0: are... the Challenger. I don't care as much. Like, there's I don't know one of the Apollos like lit on fire or something. Don't care about that specifically the challenger i don't know how i'd stop it from exploding but i would stop it
1: (laughs) the funny thing is is that so uh, apparently people have gone on record of they've said that they didn't know when they tried to stop it but like they were like yeah
0: there's a bunch of stuff about that you know like the o-rings where we knew it wouldn't go correctly and then they wanted to lift it off anyway and then it exploded you know that's not the point. My point being, if I could do one thing with time travel, I would stop the Challenger from exploding.
1: And that... So I think that changes. Assuming that doesn't...
0: Assuming as, I still get born.
1: Yeah. Yeah, assuming things still happen as usual. That's so interesting because we're yeah. so much harder. Because like, we're just starting back up. Yeah. Making... Rockets again, and if they are shaped like, like, but we're like, we're wanting to like terraform Mars and live on Mars and do that. Concept. Like that could be like,
0: over. We was... could have done that already by now.
1: Right? That's insane. It's crazy That's to think about. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Wow. wow.
0: It's I crazy. Wanna, okay.
1: At, I want people to at you on Twitter. Yeah, at Pinzo
0: Dunzo on Twitter. If you could change one, if if you could time travel to one place or time and do one thing, assuming you have the power to do that thing, what's the one thing you would do? At Pinzo Dunzo on Twitter. All right. Well, well, we'll we can talk about those. Maybe if I get some good suggestions, those some of those will make the podcast next week. Uh, yeah. But moving on, um, Exelon we. Talk a decent amount about movies on on this on this podcast. What we don't talk quite as much about is like other forms of media. So for me, uh, being being the gamer that I am, uh, I I I consume a decent amount of like YouTube media, not just gaming media, but just media on YouTube. Some of these channels on YouTube kind of like they sort of take over YouTube. Why? What? What makes a a channel sort of win YouTube? I'm talking, you know, uh, Mr. Beast is a, is a good example of this, or Dude Perfect is another really good example. You know, why why do these channels succeed so much?
1: And I so you have a YouTube channel. Ad I do. do. So you know this more than anybody else that I know, especially given your video release kind of history and how well your channel was doing when certain games like predecessor were coming out correct um and you can make to content is these guys figured out the algorithm and what it like and it is consistent high quality upload that people will watch all the way through because predecessor was a fun game and you were good at it so people watched all the way through and it got a lot of views And Mr. Beast has basically figured out the YouTube algorithm pretty much down to a science to the point where he spent a million dollars on a video and then gave it to a YouTuber called Ludwig because he didn't like the way that it turned out. Like, well, this isn't a good video. The algorithm will will eventually hurt me in the long run. So I'm not going to watch this. And obviously, I don't think people will watch it all the way through. So I'm not going to put it out and go from there. But like people like perfect. They're like, we're going to do a trick shot video two times a month. Exactly. It's going to be 10 minutes long, but people are going to watch it all the way through because it's really, really good. And it's really high quality. It has good music. And we have five or I guess four and a half unique personalities, twins and go from there. It's marketing and branding, but it is consistent high quality uploads that get good watch time that you can play ads in. youtube can make money because i, what I it agree it's a business that needs to make money
0: uh i i think that the uh the high quality part matters i think that the uh quality i think is is maybe not the correct word uh i think entertaining is the right word because there are people who do you know purposely post just absolutely just microwaved videos that are the worst quality you've ever seen like moist critical specifically (laughs) yeah we'll just we'll post these just absolutely microwaved videos and they'll perform well because they're decently entertaining uh, I think I mean, dude perfect. Charlie's a
1: great personality. Exactly, like, he, has, is he has a hilarious. great,
0: he's hilarious and he's got a good personality. Same with like Michael Reeves, you know. Is his content what I would consider quality? Not particularly. He just rambles and shocks himself, but it's funny. He's he's entertaining, you know. Uh, same with like, and I think dude perfect maybe hits the other side of this, where they have these short, you know, eight minute trick shot videos that are very entertaining, incredibly high quality, but also hit a bigger audience. I think that, you know, my parents would watch a Dude Perfect video with me. Maybe not 10 in a row, but they would sit down and watch a 7-minute Dude Perfect video of me of these guys doing some crazy shit with basketballs or ping pong balls or whatever the hell balls they've got that week, you know? Like, it's just, it's quality videos, it's good entertainment, it's really strong editing, you know, Dude Perfect has really good, you know, music and stuff behind them. I think that it's interesting yeah. to to think about these channels that just, like, have made it, you know? I, I guess that's that's maybe one of the ways you could say this. I mean, Dude Perfect has, you know, 60 million subs.
1: Yeah, And if you look at, like, the, uh, or have ever listened to the best of the best, the, the people who have these... Tens of million subscribers and are the quote unquote staples of YouTube. They have this down to a science. Yes. To get the algorithm to get out to as many 100%. As they want
0: to.
1: Because you, like, if you look at Mr. Beast's videos, he has a template. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. What, like, of what he goes through. He's like, today, me and Carl and my friends are going to go and we're going to light a. Firework up somebody's ass, and then
0: the first one to scream gets zero dollars, and everyone else gets 10 million or something, you know? Like, yeah,
1: whatever it is, like, whatever absolute ridiculous thing it is, is like, it's up front in your face, go. And then, yes, like, but he has a consistent, like, model and template of, like, you need to know in the first 10 seconds what you're watching.
0: Yes. Even so before that
1: you need to have a killer, uh, um, thing that the image, video thing. What's the name of it? Thumbnail. Thumbnail. Thank you. Thank you. But you need to have a killer thumbnail to get people to click on the video. And yes. And you need to make sure that people like and subscribe, so you get more out there and there's growth and stuff like that.
0: So as someone who, again, I do have a YouTube channel. No, it's not big yes i'm big enough to know what my analytics mean uh one of the biggest analytics that you can have that matters a lot and this it doesn't matter quite as much for the algorithm but it matters a lot for your like future videos like that video hitting the algorithm it will matter for but the next video hitting the algorithm it will matter for that is percentage of viewers watching at 30 seconds the average is about 50%. If you can have above or around half of the people that click on your video continue watching it at 30 seconds to a minute, you're doing good. That's that's the goal. It seems like a really low amount. That's the goal. Um, if you have more than that, epic. It will help your next videos. If you have less than that, if you want that video to hit the algorithm, you will need more likes and more comments on that video in order for it to actually hit people's pages. It's a it's a very, it's a game really is what it is. It is, you have to know what kind of thumbnails the people who watch your videos like. You have to know when to upload. I know that the majority of my people that watch my videos are active around noon. I should upload videos about 10 a.m. if I want them to perform very well. Stuff like that. It's There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that you would not think about.
1: So a really interesting listen. Do you know the YouTube channel Colin and Samir? I don't. So they are fairly new, but they have... Done a lot of videos with big YouTube channels, kind of talking about their success. And there's a three-hour video that they do with Mr. Beast, and he kind of rips apart their content. But okay. they like ask for it. They're like, "What do we need to do to grow?" And he's like, "This is what you need to do." He's like, you're he's like your guy, like the the uh, viewers past thirty seconds thing." Mr. Beast is crazy. Yeah, it's it's like ninety percent or yeah. something like that. And he's getting. A few million views in the first Uh oh I don't know 10 minutes of his videos going up and it's because the algorithm knows not only are you going to click on them you're going to watch it all the way through and he knows how to keep people engaged how to keep his audience engaged by new thing and like playing something interesting and then making sure that his ads aren't too long and yes. Going through, it's like this is like this is my ad role for this one thing, but also one thing he did in his most recent or in a recent videos he was sponsored by Venmo, and he was talking about Venmo, but there was still a challenge going on in the background. Yes. And like you were like half paying attention to the ad, but also like oh what's going on back there, and like everything was so intimate or like so intricately placed to where. It could keep an audience engaged, be watching all the way through, so he can continue to make money and continue to get views. And then at the end of every video, he's like, like, comment, and subscribe, because you could win $10 million. Exactly. And he proves it about every single video. He gives gives away a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And it's because he's done so well with understanding uh, how the algorithm works.
0: And I, I think that Mr. Beast is is a really big example uh, of these, you know, videos that take obviously a lot of time to put together. You know, he's he has these where he's building, you know, crazy stuff, and then you go do challenges or whatever on it, and he's giving away a lot of money and stuff like that. And he puts out, you know, these 20, 25-minute videos on these challenges things. I think that, for me, maybe the best alternative to Mr. Beast in that respect is epic rap battles of history because
1: it's I, so true I bring
0: though. this up because they post you know three minute five minutes rap battles that are still very high quality but it's like, I mean it's a three minute video and if you've ever watched epic rap battles of history you know that the last 45 seconds are the outro you know they are not it is only there for watch time that's the only reason that that outro is that long and it's, the ex- it's just the exact opposite of what Mr. Beast does. Outside of the amount of time that it takes to prep these videos and stuff like that, they're really opposite ends of the spectrum of, do I upload a very quality three-minute video that will get, you know, 30 million views and people will watch it all the way through, or do I upload a very quality 25-minute video that maybe gets an average watch time of, you know, 15 minutes, and go from there. You know, it's, there's some trade-offs to and from. Obviously, Mr. Beast has way more subs than Epic Rap Battles of History. Uh, I think it's, a, there's some interesting dynamics on which way you would like to go on YouTube. Like, there's some, there's some interesting stuff you can do.
1: Yeah, it's, he's like looking at Mr. Beast's last few videos, or like last, I guess, his top six right here it's 17 13 17 14 9 8 but those ones actually didn't perform particularly well 13 13 12 and then his longest video was actually his most successful the squid game that got a quarter of a million views or a quarter of a billion views yeah so there's a lot of stuff that goes into it but if you look at every single thing that goes into it from a thumbnail the length the first 30 seconds of watching everything to being consistently entertaining things like that there's so much that goes into yeah it. it's kind of crazy because i've like thought about doing a youtube channel before and it's like mostly because i i don't have the time in my current life to yeah consistently do one it's fair and cons- consistently make videos but like when you're thinking about like, oh, I'm gonna post a video. Oh, I need to make a. Th- I need to learn how to make a thumbnail. I need to learn how to record. I need to learn how to edit. You're. I'm starting out with no experience on mm-hmm. how to do any of this stuff. My first few videos are not going to be good because I have zero experience doing this. But once you can get it down to a science of and do it very, very well and understanding what your uh, audience wants it's very very different You will. yes i think you'll skyrocket because and i think we saw this with your channel is that once you found your quote-unquote market niche or what you what yes. the algorithm wanted from you you skyrocketed and i was like hey finally people are seeing what you're putting out but you kind of have to play the game a little bit
0: yes cause... there's a lot that goes into it on on all fronts On you know how good of a thumbnail can you make how good of uh content can you make how good can your intro be uh how fast do you need to cut through any of your content and keep it interesting you know all of these are questions that that some people figure out and some people don't you can see it when channels stagnate really badly it's because they've missed something they didn't figure something out when they needed to
1: was something that went on do you remember um smosh game
0: yes yes one of like the most drop dead channels that's ever existed
1: so smosh games they had they got like 2 million subscribers when they started like back when 2 million subscribers was a big yes like that was that was a huge number and they got it within the first year and it was a like this channel was enormous
0: yeah, what YouTube it was. was
1: at the time, and then they fell off so hard because they had this thing called Game Bang that they did on Fridays, and it was my favorite series that they did. They stopped doing that, they stopped doing all the really fun series that people like to introduce new content, and not to say if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, but like you have to get out views. And you have to get out, give like give out content that people want to watch. So, completely gutting certain parts, uh, like key parts of your um, of your channel that people come in and want to watch, it's difficult to change that. The algorithm isn't yes. like that because it does like, not. Because you like, sure, this is new, and this is something that you want to do but we're not sure if your audience wants to eat
0: this. exactly so
1: i'm going to kind of just do a little next man up and it was like well that was all cool and everything but i have something that will make me more money so that was cute bye bye now
0: yeah it's it's all interesting i think it's a very interesting topic and we might be able to get into it more another time because it is like there is a lot of depth that you can have within it uh, oh yeah but today i think we i think we should i think we should move on uh we'll get into that more another time for sure okay um but actually you have you have a little uh you have a little psa for us is this is this correct
1: yeah, I'm gonna hop on my soapbox. All so, right,
0: give give me give me a give me a two-minute soapbox.
1: Okay, my little soapbox is is that as a nerd, I like receiving. Well, as a human, I like to receive gifts for each stuff. But as a nerd, I am kind of a niche, and it's hard to buy gifts for me sometimes. And when buying gifts for nerds, it's very easily it, you can most of the time most people go in uninformed about this kind of stuff and recently wizards of the coast the creators of magic the gathering have kind of got in got themselves in a little bit of hot water because they made a product that was very very similar to a different product but one of the products that only had one pack inside of it it was this like premium pack it was in a really big box and it was there was a lot of like unboxing value to it, you're like, oh, this is this is like a $40 pack, which is kind of insane for one pack of Magic cards. Yes. And then the pack of, like, the same product in, like, that was 12 packs, that was the box that it came in was actually considerably smaller and misleading. Okay. And there is a consistent thing that happens in with trading cards, with nerd stuff of buying knockoff or resold stuff i've received things before that like um a family member of mine was like what's your f- favorite color in magic and i was like oh i don't know probably blue or black and then off the internet they bought this blue and black booster pack from a quote-unquote friendly local game store that yeah. had just a bunch of like rare draft chaff yeah. in yeah yeah absolute junk and i was like I don't want to like give this back to you and say, no, this is a piece of shit, but kind of got scammed because you didn't know. So that being said, get in contact with people and have them send you links to the stuff that they want. I,
0: I think that especially because- if you're buying it, when, especially when it comes to trading card games, if you're going to buy, especially like magic, you know, if you're going to buy with someone something and they need some- and they need slash want something specific for a deck or, you know, a collection piece like just just ask them like they'll tell you what it is they want like surprises are epic but like i'd rather you get me something that is useful to me or matters to me than something for you to get scammed on you know like it's okay to ask it's okay to ask especially about something you don't have knowledge about
1: yeah and there's so much stuff out there like target and walmart have gotten in trouble for or not yeah. necessarily gotten in trouble but have like marketed these like you can get any pack from magic's history and there are some like 40 dollar pack in there and they're selling these things for like it's like three packs for 20 bucks the average like the msrp of each pack at the time is like 350 yeah and it's a cash grab of stuff that didn't sell and they're Preying on people's ignorance of like, yes. oh, my grandson loves magic. I'm gonna buy this for him. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, go to a local game store, that, or go to the game store that your that your son or significant other or whoever goes to, and talk to them and say like, and ask them what would be a good gift, yes. rather than going online and finding something. Yes. Because holy shit, it's like. As somebody who's like who knows what to buy there's a yes. lot it of can be difficult that, that's like, yeah they're like yeah, buying the wrong thing yeah. is, it's so easy to get scammed or have somebody like kind of sell you snake oil over the internet because you don't know but you're like oh yeah this is the same brand of what I'm buying a gift for so I'm gonna yes. go do this
0: I think that it's very easy to get, uh, to get to get your wires crossed, on online exactly. especially.
1: Exactly. All
0: right. Well, thank you for your soapbox, Exelon. I appreciate thank it. <laughs> uh, it's good information to have. I, I think that especially on on a channel like Nerd Hub, you know, uh, I think that it's it's a good it's a good PSA to put out there. I I do appreciate it. Um, but moving on, we have the promised segment that we promised at the at the top of the episode. This is uh, this was my first full campaign that I had ever DM'd. I have been a DM many a time, but not on a campaign that has fully come to fruition. This was a new experience to me. I've done a lot of big boss fights. All right, I've done you know, uh, many arc bosses throughout the campaign, smaller bosses, you know, that kind of stuff, bigger encounters I've done. I mean, i like, I, would consider myself a fairly experienced DM. This was it. This
1: is the big, it's the big oh one. Yeah, this was, this was
0: it. This, yes. this was
1: it. This well, was so it. it's so. stressful
0: as a DM, you know, you're like, okay, I literally get one chance at this, right? Like if I mess it up, like yeah. that's, you know, that's it. Um, it went well. I, it, I don't think there is any world as a DM where it goes as good as you plan it to go. Like, I just don't really think that's possible. You know, yeah, I mean, as soon as yeah. one thing happens, you know, you're improvising and then you're forgetting a couple of things on the stat block that you wanted to run, you know? And, you're, and it's not going to run perfectly. That's just how it goes. I think it ran pretty well. So what the boss fight was, quick overview, basically... Uh, Demon lord was coming into the material plane he'd been trapped in a pocket dimension uh players had to go to said pocket dimension or else he was his pocket dimension was going to bleed into the material plane which would have been very very bad so they have to jump into his into his little pocket realm which is bad for them because now they're fighting him on his turf obviously uh and the idea behind my my idea behind this boss was blood lord that was my that was my idea for him this is my inspiration what i wanted to have happen the the like thing behind this was for the boss itself to start at fairly low at least you know as far as cr 17 monsters go my party was level 15 a party of six level 15 characters uh he started at fairly low ac and a just like a fairly good amount of hp but not what you'd expect from you know a boss like this but he had a lot of healing he was essentially pulling the blood and the life force from the party like the entire time constantly he was healing the whole time and when he healed certain amounts his ac would go up so he was getting stronger and stronger as the fight went on the other thing that i did for this is that i don't know Exelon, have you ever played pathfinder no no so in pathfinder ability score damage is much more prominent it's just a more common thing that doesn't really happen in fifth edition what i did to substitute for this and this is something that's not brand new to fifth edition you know i didn't make this up but you have things when a specifically generally necrotic damage it's to substitute for taking constitution damage You have it reduce their maximum hp by you know the amount of necrotic damage taken that's what this boss was doing like with most of his attacks so the other thing about this is that my party did not like they had a druid as their only real healer they had a druid and an artificer were the only people that could heal so this wasn't even really like adding that much difficulty to the fight because if if people started dying they were gonna die anyway uh, it so it, the difficulty wasn't there, but it did add stress, which is what I wanted. I wanted them to be stressed out. This ended up getting many characters very low. The fighters, I two fighters in the party, both of them have a hundred and you know twenty HP at level fifteen. They were you know down to forty HP with a maximum of fifty five. Right, like they are, they're they get very low very quickly, which was the was
1: that's a crit that's a high roll away from exactly that's that that's fun
0: i I thought it was a really good idea
1: because you know the stakes are like the stakes are any higher and you very much conveyed to your players this is it you guys die you die well
0: and they knew i mean and again they they knew going into this um This guy being a blood lord he is in his own pocket dimension if his pocket dimension bleeds into the material plane really bad they have to go in there and stop his his whole ritual thing going into his plane is really bad like that's his home turf on top of that this is six very powerful adventurers bringing their very powerful blood to the feet of this blood lord you know like That is literally essentially his domain that they are bringing to him that he's been mostly starved of while he's been in this pocket dimension. Like, he's going to get stronger, and he did. He had a couple of, you know, really powerful bonus actions and layer actions and stuff that went off that just, again, made the fight harder. He healed for, you know, almost 300 total HP he healed for, and he had a max of about 600, so he ended up taking about 900 damage from the party uh it just worked really well i really like the idea of especially final bosses being enemies that are not they're not caught unprepared he knows this is coming he's been planning you know to get to the material plane he knows someone's gonna try and stop him like he like he's aware and i I really don't like the idea of like big bosses like this being caught unaware so, yeah, I, I like the idea that he can plan for this. Like, he knows that he has them trapped. They either come to his plane and fight him on his turf, or they wait and the world is in trouble if they wait for him, you know? It's it's just this very cool dynamic that leads to a lot of, you know, good discussion within the party and a fun boss fight beginning and stuff like that. It was all very interesting. Um,
1: Super awesome. Because, like... It's like... You set this up very, very well. And I remember my first ever... Like, granted, I only have very... I have very, very few um, campaign-ending sessions. And my first one... I will still stand by being one of the biggest statistical anomalies I think that has ever happened. Okay. Because my boss was an archmage that had like two actions a turn um dealt a very like i still think it was a very well designed boss and still like final boss worthy okay but the boss rolled in like however many rounds um like 20 something rounds did never rolled above a 10 never rolled or rolled below a 5 at least seven times, and the party rolled four crits in like twenty rounds. Like, just so are you? The floor.
0: So are you not a fudger? Are you not? Are you? Do you not fudge your your rolls at all?
1: I did, but I kind of screwed up a little bit because, like, I was like, oh, like my uh, um uh solution to this was like when they were when the final boss was getting shellacked, like getting absolutely ran over i was like oh i'm gonna start phase two early was what i was gonna do okay and okay then, like, the I got see, I, worse yeah from there and i normally ordinarily i would budge rolls but the problem is is that like i forgot my dm's for The final campaign, <laughs> so I was rolling out in the open.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of on you, really. E-
1: e- it was on me. I did screw up and I screwed up bad, but I was rolling out in the open, and I didn't want them to know that I was fit, like that I was trying to make this difficult for them. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it did end okay. There was like one scare of somebody almost dying but this was also a character that had already almost died about 17 times before because the actual build of the character was horrendous. Like I've talked about this. I've talked about this almost ad nauseum to you. uh, I I, I have heard about
0: this one. Yes.
1: Yeah. So there was a character that I had who, um, their whole thing was that they wanted to talk to animals and have an animal companion, which you can do in dungeons and dragons very easily. But you like you need like there's literally a feat that's like animal companionship, and then you can like be a druid and speak with animals. But this particular character wanted to be a bard or a wizard, not a n- not a druid. Okay. But spent their in high like every single level they got like a, or every single th- they could get, they got it to communicate with animals, and have animal handling abilities, and. It got to the point where we were around level nine or ten and this character didn't have any like attacking spells outside of hand yeah. uh, trips. And it got to the point where I said something to them, and I was like, you know, You're um, useless. You're yeah, you're useless outside of this one thing. And do you know what their animal companion was?
0: Uh probably not anything good. A ferret yeah so not anything good
1: and i would have with how much effort they put into this i, I totally would have allowed you to have a fairly powerful animal companion you spent a lot of shit to where i'm like realistically you could have something cool i don't know what you want and kind of like and i'd be willing to work with you to find something that you found entertaining or that you're that like kind of fulfills a character arc or something yeah along yeah those yeah lines i'd be willing to do that but they're like no i i want to ferret and that's it and i was like hmm,
0: yeah Jesus. you're useful nice get out
1: yeah and that was the one scare in this final boss fight is that they almost died but i was as a dm i was like well they could die yeah (laughs) Uh, honestly i really don't care if your character (laughs) dies i hate writing for your character i hate trying to introduce him into the story and i hate your character in combat because they're a sack of potatoes so anyways
0: yeah uh it's it's interesting i i know like one of my my biggest surprise actually for this boss fight was that i ordered and hand-painted a large demon mini for my for my group which my group is not a group that plays with minis generally speaking so this was actually the first mini ever used at our table and i it was very cool and it looks really good i i will have a by the time this episode of nerd hub is up i'll have a picture up on my twitter i'll I'll put one up uh i meant to put one up earlier but i'll put one up tonight and by the time this Nerd Hub episode is out, you guys can can go over to, to Twitter at Pinzodunzo and and check it out. It was a lot of fun. I think that it's something that, like, I had never really explored in d and I'd never really explored minis before. And I don't know. I think it's something that I will continue doing in the future. I actually really enjoyed it. Um,
1: That's awesome.
0: I, um, it was awesome, yeah. I'm glad the yeah, campaign's it, over. Like,
1: I can't wait also, for campaign 2. Shout out to your players really quick. I heard what they did for you going about this and this was awesome so your players unbeknownst to you
0: correct dressed
1: up they did
0: they wore mostly they they wore mostly formal attire to our to our final session
1: and that's awesome which is awesome it's
0: I, they were great players. Everyone was was fantastic players. I'm really happy with the way that the entire D&D campaign rounded out. I'm really glad that I have a couple weeks to sit down and world build, which is probably my favorite part of DMing. Uh, I get to world build for however I want campaign 2, assuming that we do a campaign 2, how I want it to start. you know, I can start it in the future. I could theoretically start it in the past could start at far future near future post apocalypse you know same world a different world i get to do some more world building which i'm really excited about so yeah,
1: that is one thing as a dm like there are certain things that you kind of have to put in your back pocket or put on the wayside like i have a yeah. whole word document of some of things that i want to try i have a really cool idea for a world or a character that just doesn't fit i'm like oh this should be a super sick idea yeah but you have to put it in your back pocket but now that like the world is your oyster you exactly. get to create a bunch of new stuff you're just like yes. yeah i get to take a few weeks off i don't have to prep for anything but when character like when i get to start world building again holy shit is it gonna be awesome and it's yes. a really fun thing to do
0: i'm very excited uh and i may i don't know maybe maybe the nerd hub listeners can get a sneak peek at at any any kind of my world building before before it begins Uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe you guys can catch some, some sneak peek into the mind of Pinzo's world building next week. We'll, we'll see what we can get done. Uh, but I think that that's going to be it for this week. Do you have, do you have anything else to add, Exelon?
1: Um, I really, I think we kind of hit all
0: of our bases. I do. I think that, I think it was a good one. Uh, I, I really like time travel. Maybe we'll, we'll have to come up with some more time travel topics. I know we've talked about it two weeks in a row.
1: three weeks in a
0: row. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, it could come up. I really like time travel. We'll talk. Uh, catch us here next week. Hopefully it's out on Monday. If it's not, you know, it'll be out when it's out. Who knows? Uh, at nerd hub and follow like do whatever buttons are available on whatever uh platform you guys are listening on we appreciate all of you as always at me at Pinzo Dunzo on twitter let me know what you guys would change if you could time travel one time i'm curious i, I want to know what you guys' answers are uh but until then i'll see you guys next week here on on nerd hub with xlon so yeah as always i've been pinzo this guy's been xlon And we're out of here.